welcome to the Farming on Purpose podcast. Today's challenges in agriculture are new, but the grit and determination required to be successful have been handed down for generations. On the Farming on Purpose podcast, we preserve the ag heritage and traditions we built our identity on while pursuing the American dream of multi-generation farms that innovate for the future. Listen along as we share stories of how farmers and ranchers are building legacies, both in their business and their character, for the sake of those they'll pass the reins to. I'm your host, Lexi Wright, and I'm excited to talk with you about the financial, generational, and production challenges facing producers in the ag industry today. This podcast is brought to you by Back Pocket Social Marketing. And yes, this is Lexi here. This podcast has been a real passion project for me. All the time that goes into interviewing guests, editing, and producing the show is sponsored by my freelance marketing agency. We specialize in website design, social media advertising, content creation and management, and email marketing. If you like to take a foundational approach to your marketing and figure out exactly what's working for you and what's not, and really focus on efficiency, then you would be a great candidate to work with us. You can reach out and talk with us more at Lexi at BackPocketSocial.com. We would love to help you solve your marketing challenges. Welcome back to Farming on Purpose. Today I have Jordan here with me and I'm going to make her pronounce her last name to make sure we get it right. Uh, Jordan is a part-time farmer and a full-time paramedic and soon-to-be new mom. Growing up in suburbia, she never experienced life on the farm outside of school field trips until she met Michael. Um, Jordan and Michael live in northern Alberta, Canada, and have a small cow crop operation of 30 head and 120 acres of grain and hay and are involved in Michael's larger family farm. So Jordan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for telling us exactly what um, kind of operation you have. I think that's really helpful from people who are trying to learn from your story today. Do you want to tell us just a little bit more about yourself and kind of what you guys are up to right now? Uh, sure. Uh, thanks again for having me on the podcast. It's, uh, it was really exciting when you asked, but uh, to get down to it, um, yeah, well, so we've had 30 head. Unfortunately, we're down two because our, our uh, calving season didn't go as well as we'd like, but that's okay. And uh, we recently put it, just finished seeding uh, in northern Alberta. Our seeding goes a little bit later than, than most seasons. Uh, and with some changes in Michael's family recently, we've taken on a bit more of a, uh, I guess, a decision-making role in his family. So as much as uh, there are trials and tribulations with uh, farm succession, we are looking forward to the challenge. And uh, yeah, we're going to see, we're kind of in the process of deciding what the family farm's going to look like from here on out. Absolutely. And when you and I first connected, it was talking about farm succession and how much goes into that entire process, everything from finances and family dynamics to what day of the week it is. Um, so what has that process been like for you guys? Kind of what was the vision when you first started thinking about it and what's it look like now? Uh, well, uh, unfortunately, Michael's parents have decided to split as of last year. So 
the vision uh, has taken quite a bit of a turn. If anything, it's accelerated what uh, the succession looks like. Initially, we were looking at uh, doing a kind of a dual takeover. Michael has uh, three other siblings. Uh, one of his brothers is the other farm farmer in the family, I guess you could say. So the plan was originally to split the family farm between the two brothers and our respective families. Uh, but now we're looking at more of an operation where his uh, brother is going to take over the majority of the family farm and we're going to focus more on our smaller side. Uh, just just because we want different things, um, it does look differently. We're very fortunate that all of us are on the same page. So that's that's kind of where we are today with the with the change. Well, that's good that you guys are all on the same page. I know it can take a while to get there sometimes. Did you guys have a lot of discussions about what things would look like or who was what kind of goals each person in, involved had or what did that kind of interim look like? Uh, well, so yeah, there is a lot of chat and I, I would recommend anyone uh, trying to make a succession plan or anyone uh, who plans on taking over with multiple family members, definitely keep the lines of communication open. And I know that's really easy to say, but like when you go in to talk about it at these family meetings, like have you like your part of the family or your ideas uh, even writ written down. So when you come in, everyone has a clear picture. So that's been something we've been really focusing on uh, with Michael's brother and his wife uh, is making sure that everyone understands exactly what they what they want, what they think that the farm's going to look like. Um, so the goals we've been setting um, have been, for example, equipment splitting up uh, when when it does come time to take over the equipment um, and the family farm um, and the land splitting. Um, there are two siblings that aren't uh, aren't farming, but as Michael's parents have made it very clear that they still want to see those two siblings succeed and um, profit or, or have some sort of family legacy, which we understand. Um, there is a little bit of conflict there about how that will look. Uh, but at this point, we've decided that it's ultimately it's Michael's parents' farm and it's ultimately their decision of how they'd like to split it between their four children. Yeah. Well, it's good that they are communicating openly that, you know, they want everyone to be successful and figuring out what that looks like can can be a process. Um, yeah. What are some of the goals that you and Michael had versus Michael's brother and his wife that maybe were similar or not similar? And how did that look as you guys kind of have formed your plan of who would move on with what different pieces of the operation? Uh, so that's, uh, that's a, a great question. And it's, uh, it's one that's been probably the forefront of, of communicating well with each other, um, as well as uh, seeing that everyone succeeds. So uh, Michael and I, uh, we never really planned to go full-time farming. We, we moved in together six years ago. And the plan was never really to go full-time farming. That's changed a bit. We're definitely getting more involved. And we're definitely uh, looking to increase our uh, our land margin as well as uh, our cattle profit. We're hoping to get up to about 75 head. His brother, uh, the farming brother, his name's Zach, uh, great guy. He and his wife um, are, were very close. They're looking to go farming full-time. So um, in this farm succession of like the greater family farm, they're looking to take over the majority of it. So um, the the 
parents, uh, Michael's parents, did a did a really good thing. Um, sometime in the early 2000s, they actually incorporated their farm. So when we talk about the farm succession, we're actually looking at buying like the farm corporation and, and everything that entitles, like what it's worth. Um, so the goal right now that we've all agreed to is uh, Zach and his wife will be taking over majority of that. They'll, hold, they'll have the majority shares in that farm. And then Michael and I will either have a little piece of it or none at all. But right now that's kind of what's up in the air. And that's why uh, as of this year and continuous years until decision is made, because, you know, uh, separations don't always go as smoothly as you'd as you'd hope. You know, people want different things. So right now, Michael and I are really focusing on our farm, um, but we do help out on the family farm and his brother's farm quite a bit. I think that is a really good point to bring up that transitions of any kind don't always follow a predictable timeline, especially when there's some family dynamic that was unexpected or kind of not anticipated by the whole family taking place. And so kind of controlling what you can control in that scenario, in my opinion, helps your mindset so much because it can be really frustrating when you have big goals that you're working towards and you're kind of waiting in the wings to see how things unfold. Is that kind of what you guys have experienced and is that mainly why you guys are focusing on goals with your operation in the meantime yeah i would i would definitely agree, agree with that like control what you can uh i i really feel that as as emotional as people can get when when their parents split i, I don't want anyone to think that it's not an emotional time because it definitely is uh, i really feel that everyone's handling this um as appropriately as they can and uh respecting that people need time to to be human and, and to uh process what's happening is definitely being granted and it's just like I, like you said i just i agree with what you said and um it's all about what you can do and and just hope for the best everyone wants the best for each other at the end of the day absolutely well that's so important um that you guys are a family first and farming has its own place in the eventual line of things so for your guys' operation, you and Michael, what are some of the things that you guys are focusing on as you grow and kind of work towards your goals there? Well, okay, that's a that's a really good question. This is I was really looking forward to speaking about this with you because uh, that's part of it was part of the succession plan when we first when I first reached out to you to ask like some questions around that. So some of some of our goals uh, since we moved in, I, I call it the big list, and every year we pick an item off the big list that we're going to focus on on our property. And with uh, the succession coming up now, um, this year we are really focusing on our pastures, uh, especially with wanting to grow the uh, cattle side of the farm. Um, so this year we're looking at uh, fixing fence, we're looking at more, uh, I guess, easier, but also economically profitable uh, pasture grazing. So. We actually, with the fence fixing the pasture, and they obviously go hand in hand, uh, we're actually expanding pasture uh, just by fixing fence, which is which is huge, right? Because it allows for us to have up to 20 more head. Oh, wow. That is a huge difference. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So is that just kind of maintaining pasture that you guys have and trying to get it back up to full growth or what's allowing you guys to take on that many more head with your pasture? 
Right. Yeah. So when when we bought this property that we live on right now, um, it used to be a sheep farm, actually. So the pastures were quite small. Uh, so part of the, what we're doing with the fencing is um, expanding into uh, expanding pastures uh, where the fence was just wasn't designed for to keep cattle in. It was designed to keep sheep in. So fixing that has really allowed us to open up areas that were uh, more. It's like a like a kind of like a grassland with uh, some birch trees in it. So opening that up, and then uh, on another property that we own, we own two. That the fence was completely decrepit uh, thanks to some beavers. <laughs> so we ended up fixing that fence, and we put uh, some pears there with Michael's family, which is which is great because if we wanted to buy twenty more head, we have now two spots as well as just larger pasture land that was that was more used for smaller uh, animals. That's incredible having that potential to buy more head and and already knowing that you can support them without necessarily buying more feed is going to take you guys so far like just immediately versus trying to figure that out over the winter months of what that's going to look like that yeah you guys are already set up to succeed there we yeah grow yeah well and one thing that i've learned like i've listened to quite a few podcasts on on yours as well as some other farming ones and a big lesson that i keep hearing is you don't necessarily need to buy more, get more, like look at what you have, like make, make sure it's simple. So that was a, that was a big thing I've been learning from Michael and his family is you don't, you don't need to spend more money. Sometimes it's, it just, it's just about fixing what you have. It, it was definitely a hard lesson learning from coming from the city where it's like, well, just buy it. Like just buy what you need. It's like, well, you don't need to do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's so cool. The cash flow perspective of that, I feel like, is what really makes people start thinking that way. Um, As you guys have been growing, is that something that you've put a lot of thought into as far as what your cash flow will look like as you grow and kind of what the next step down the road is? Or is it kind of just one step at a time? Let's get to this addition of these new head and then go from there. Uh, Yeah. So the big picture is obviously to increase cash flow. uh, But right now, just just because so some things are so uncertain, it really is. We really are working on a step-by-step process. So mm-hmm. uh, that that's the beauty and the ugly side of progress is you, you, it's really hard to end progress, right? So I'm hoping that we, we do have a kind of a five-year plan and I'm hoping by the end of that five years, we can really start to look at increasing cash flow. But as of right now, it's let's just get this, the big list I mentioned, let's just get the big list done. Yeah. Well, that's really cool, though, that you guys are already planning five years down the road and kind of making those big picture dreams start to take place. What are some of the other things on your big list? Um, So other than increasing cattle, because that's a really big one on our list, um, it's really it's just really maintaining and, and taking care of the property that we have. Like I said, it's instead of just going out and and trying to add things, it's really focusing on uh, what we have now and improving that. It's I, I look at it as like a foundation building. Like if this is going to be where home base is, like make sure it's very solid. So that's that's a big part of our five year plan is solidifying uh, home base. Yeah, definitely. Hey, it's Lexi here, and I'm interrupting the show to tell you about a new option we have for marketing support for you. 
I've met so many people the past six months who are looking for DIY marketing support. And while I primarily offer marketing packages and website design in my marketing business, I'm excited to have something just for you DIYers too. So I know you need answers quickly to help you overcome tech challenges and get feedback on your marketing content when you have a spare minute to work on it. And you want to keep growing and learning how to make your marketing work in a way that makes sense for you. Here's what I've got for you. First, you can sign up for a free marketing toolkit, which includes social media post templates, email marketing outlines, video ideas, and a content planner and tracker. And to get tutorials and answers to those pressing questions, sign up for our weekly marketing tutorials for just $10 a month, where we tackle your most frustrating challenges together. Or sign up for the marketing support line, where you get direct access via text message to ask all of your tech support and marketing advice questions. It's like having a marketing and tech support person in your back pocket. We solve website issues, social media challenges, and just give feedback on the content you're creating. You can find those options at LexiWrightConsulting.com slash social under marketing support. Well, we kind of glossed over there. You said um, calving season this year didn't necessarily go as planned. And when you're on a smaller size herd wise of, you know, 30 head or less, um, and you have a situation like that happen, that can be, for one, very discouraging. And for two, have a pretty big financial impact when, you know, every head really counts. Um, you want to talk a little bit about what happened or kind of how you guys are approaching that? Uh, yeah, we're actually, this is, uh, we're kind of deterring away from uh, Michael's family's uh, operation. So uh, I'm not sure if everyone knows, but the cattle industry in Alberta is huge. It's, it's it was a massive, massive one. In the early 2000s, there, we had mad cow disease hit Alberta and it absolutely rocked the industry. Like I, I, it was devastating. And to be honest with you, uh, as of last year, we are just getting back up to levels of uh, the pre-2002. So like you said, the cattle industry here is it's really important to us. So what ended up happening this year is uh, one of our girls got sick and she passed away before she gave uh, birth. So we lost a uh, calf and a cow. And then the second thing that happened, we lost a second one to a C-section. Um, th- that one was an interesting kind of situation because normally in the farm, uh, in Michael's farm, uh, a very kind of a, more of a hands-off approach when it comes to cattle, uh, again, with like making it easy, but like to a certain level. So this year, what we ended up doing instead uh, was we did a bit more intervention. I because I'm expecting, I was able to stay home a little bit more and keep a closer eye on our cattle. Um, so we went, I went out and I saw that she was struggling and we actually opted to do a C-section through the vet. And unfortunately, this cow in particular, after the uh, the veterinarian uh, was, was doing the procedure, she noted that there was a lot of in previous internal damage. She actually asked us if this cattle this cow in particular had had a C-section before and mm-hmm. she had not had her, her, actually Michael's parents had had her before we did. So we knew her from, from the day she was born. Uh, but unfortunately she ended up passing away 11 days after the, the C-section. We, we tried really hard. You, you have to weigh that, um, that battle, like how much you want to put into this cattle. Um, but also keep in mind that it is like a live animal, right? So you got to do what you can. But ultimately, she was suffering, so we we opted to put her down. 
just because she'd reached a point where there there was no coming back. Yeah, that's hard. And it's hard to know, first off, when to intervene in those situations. And then also to know that you intervened and it probably would have gone the same way either way. Had you yeah. not, those are always hard situations. Yeah, and it was it was about eleven days after the C section, and it was hard because, you know, she'd have good days and she had bad days, and just like really teetered on if she was going to get better or get worse, and mm. and ultimately it just I I went out checked on her one morning, and I was like, oh no, oh no, 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 she's now at this point she's suffer she's going to suffer to the end. There's there's no coming back. Yeah, yeah, that's hard. We yeah, it it, it is tough because she fought right. She fought so hard to. To try and live but her cat her calf's still alive and now i have a a baby i call him a bottle boy because he's <laughs> he's adorable and we went to save the calf so it wasn't it wasn't for nothing you know so making hard decisions making decisions that that do cost money i know um it's hard on a lot of people but sometimes it's worth it and in this case it it was worth it we did save the calf that's so good it's always good when you can save the save the calf we um our calving season this year was very small compared to years past. We had actually sold off um, quite a few of our head in preparation for moving this year. Um, yeah. And so we we only had a few that we had held on to that we're going to calve. And one of them, she had her calf so late, but some, I don't know, some kind of dates must, must have been off because that calf was so tiny. Um, and she just couldn't ever get up to nurse. Couldn't she just didn't ever want to get up? And we ended up catching the cow and milking her and trying to tube the calf. And it was just like one of those things where you put so much time and energy in, and we still several days later ended up losing the calf. And oh, it's just one of those tough. things that you know it makes you remember how how tied closely we are to life and death as farmers you know it's just always right there and it's not always in your control but it, yeah that's that's a really good point it's uh it's especially for me being from the city i didn't uh i didn't really grow up with that so you're right though you definitely you have those years and those days where you really realize how close you are to it uh with a farm operation yeah yeah well we didn't talk um a whole lot about your full-time job um, and congrats on expecting a little one, by the way. I didn't say that earlier. So I'm so excited for you. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Well, my full-time job as a paramedic. Yeah. It's, I suppose I, I'm tied to that too, but it, it feels different yeah. um, than a farm operation. Yes, most definitely. What um, has that been like juggling full-time work, becoming a mom and going through some farm transition things for you? Uh, you know what? I, I am happy to say it's been pleasantly easier than I thought it was, would be. Uh, so with Michael's family farm, uh, I wasn't really, I came in, I didn't know anything about six years ago when I, when I moved in, I didn't know how to run equipment. I didn't know anything about cows. So my role in his, in the family farm has been very limited, which is understandable. And it, it, Honestly, in the last couple of years, I realized it was never personal. Never, I wasn't put into the corner of the pen, <laughs> keep the cows out of the corner. Just, you know, it was like, oh, she doesn't know anything. It's, it just, that's the way it evolved. And it definitely wasn't personal. So with the, with the juggling, with the new mom and the, and the job, my, my job actually works out really well because the schedule I'm on, it's only two days and then two night shifts. And then I have four days off. 
So I do have a lot of time. Like I have more time than than someone who works nine to five, Monday to Friday. Uh, so in that way, it's nice. It does cause problems because it is a it is a shifting. It, it's constantly moving. It's not the same four days a week. So that can be a bit challenging when I'm not around on the weekends. Um, but with this next year off uh, with maternity leave and the changes that's happening in the family farm as well as our farm, it kind of it kind of really worked out in our favor that we're we're ending up expecting a baby within within a couple of weeks here actually. But even then, it's between calving and hay season where we're expecting expecting the baby. I'm like, that really worked out too. <laughs> well, that's good because, yeah, that is a busy time. I've heard yeah. a lot of folks say, though, that um, careers in the medical field actually complement part-time farming really well because you do have that um, kind of on-again, off-again shift type thing where you can get a little bit more time, like a full day, or a couple of days even to do farm work versus trying to get everything done in the evenings all the time. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. If uh, if you're wanting to part-time farm, definitely look at a medical career uh, job or even any kind of shift work job. Yeah, makes it a lot easier when you have some flexibility there. Yeah. Well, you um, also talked a little bit about growing up in not like not on the farm, What's been that transition like for you as far as, did you ever imagine ending up on a farm or being um, like a part-time farmer? What, how did that kind of become part of your dream and your story? Uh, honestly, no, I, even, even a couple of years before I met Michael, I, if I, if I go back in time and say, Hey, you end up on a farm, I would be like, you're out lunch lady. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, you, at the end of the day, is the long and the short of it is you can't uh, you can't help who you fall in love with essentially. But um, I didn't. Uh, I was in college and I was working on my psychology degree at the time, and I ended up dropping out and deciding to pursue emergency medicine. Um, but at the time, it was I was Michael and I were seeing each other. He lived a couple hours away. We we met through a friend uh, I met in college, and. Uh, it was kind of, for me, it was kind of an adventure, you know, it was like, oh, like, why not I'd come out and I'd come visit him on the weekends and, and help out with the cattle a little bit. And it's like, this is great. Like, this is, you know, this is a family that works hard, that values hard work. Um, and like, it, but is also making something of it. Like, it's, it's really something on family farms. And I have tons of farming friends now and every operation is unique. So just to come out and see like the uniqueness and the hard work and just like it just they were values that I valued and I never I never expected that but it was quite quite the surprise and quite a pleasant surprise so I said you know what uh before we moved in together we sat down I said what is what are you wanting this to look like because I don't think I want to do this full time um like farm full time it's not uh it's a it's a lot of work and and there's a lot of struggle um and it just it's hard when you grow up with not a lot of money on the table and and he knew he knew that especially with the mad cow i mentioned earlier uh he's like no no i don't he's like i don't think i want to struggle like that but he's like but i do want to farm and i said you know what i think i can get on board with that so i moved out here all the way out to the middle of nowhere and yeah it's it's been don't get me wrong it's been a challenge especially coming from having no information on cattle or anything but uh, 
I'd recommend anyone who does come from the city life to farm life or suburbia, I guess, to farm life. Uh, do your own research. You know, you you can the value of knowledge will never cease to exist. You can as long as you're reading correct research, not just old wives' tales. Um, then you, you're going to be set, you know, and take take everything with the grain of salt. <laughs> like like I said, being put in the corner of the cow of the pen while the cows are in there, it's not necessarily the worst thing in the world. Like pay attention, see what's being done, seeing how people behave. Um, like for example, I'm I consider myself a loud person, so <laughs> I learn when you're in cattle, be quiet. I <laughs> this. <laughs> Every experience counts when you're on the farm and, and it's, it, like I said, it hasn't been easy, but I've definitely enjoyed it. And every day is like, I'm really grateful. I, I made the decision uh, to move out here and, and become part of this. That's awesome. Well, I'm so happy that it turned out so positive for you and that you're enjoying it so much. I, I know that's not always the case. There is a lot of um, difficulty and unexpected things that come with farm life, but if you truly embrace it for what it is and and see see the beauty in it, I think it really can be amazing if you pause to remember those things alongside the hard stuff. Um, but what yeah. are some of the things that you are most excited for coming up and kind of the future of your operation? Uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to the growth, um, not only for Michael and I on our farm, but the whole the whole family farm. Uh, it is like I said. It is unfortunate that his parents are split, but I, in the big picture of things, I think it's for the better. I nobody wants anyone to be miserable. So, Michael's father, uh, he he was reaching retirement age, and that was that was a, I could see that even four years ago, and that's kind of what led to the the split. Is 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 Michael's mother wanted to keep farming, and his dad was ready to retire. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, just uh, really looking forward to to seeing the changes come in a positive way for everyone. Like, don't get me wrong, there will be challenges and there there is emotion involved. But I think just the, even the way the last six months have gone, uh, everyone just seems better off that decisions have been made and progress is being made uh, together. Like communicating well with each other is huge and, and talking about what each uh, division, I guess, or each unit of the larger family wants even even with his own mom, it's like, okay, you still want to keep farming? Yeah, no, we're, we'll make sure that happens for you. Like we're not, just because your husband's not here doesn't mean that you can't keep keep the operation going. So that's that's something I'm really looking forward to is just is seeing it get better even through hard times. Wow. Yeah, that's incredible. I'm so glad that that's working out for you guys and the communication is clear and open. I think that's the, the best takeaway we can get from year episode (laughs) it's so important to have everybody on the same page and to know where you're headed and what everybody thinks about it yeah and it's really easy to to not communicate it it, um it's definitely probably been the biggest challenge is just talking because it's one thing to say communicate 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 but it's another to, to talk about what exactly are we communicating like what what who needs to know what when does it need to be communicated and who needs to make decisions? Um, so that's been, like I said, it's been a challenge, but I think we're getting the hang of it. Uh, group chats are really good. Uh, face-to-face, like as, as everyone coming together and saying, okay, this is what the plan is. Like, this is, this is what you want. This is what we want. That's also a really good way to do it. 
That's awesome. And the fact that you guys are willing to commit to that, honestly, is what saves family farms because yes. it's so easy to feel insulted by someone who either didn't communicate clearly or you, you know, even if they did communicate clearly, it's it, the conversation could have been continued and instead it was allowed to stop because somebody's feelings got hurt and it's just so important to commit to that ongoing, like we can always figure this out mentality. Yeah, yeah, and that's uh, yeah, that's a that's a big one. Um, uh, Zach's wife, uh, her and I get along famously, which helps, which helps quite a bit. <laughs> it's never it's never fun communicating with someone you don't you don't necessarily get along with, but it you do have to do it sometimes. Unfortunately, I feel that we all get along pretty well, which is very helpful. So. That's so good. Well, I'm so glad to hear um, how things are going for you and a little bit more about your story. I think we're going to have to have you back here in a year or a couple of years and hear how things have been turning out for you as you guys work on that big list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, w- I would love that. It's it's going to be really interesting and I almost feel bad. There's not much more I could uh, talk about with you. But at the, like I said, we're a pretty young operation and it's great that we get to bring in Michael's family side and their experience. You know, Rome wasn't built in a day and, and we're definitely taking some building blocks from from that family. But we're also we're also passing on like lessons. Like with every experience comes a lesson. And it's like, okay, we gotta we gotta remember these. <laughs> so so yeah. it gets easy. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, don't feel bad at all. I think it's so important to share stories like yours with people, just one, so they know that they're not alone. And two, so that we can hear how things are going for people that are in different situations. You know, everybody's farm succession looks different. And that's, it's important to just talk about it, talk about how everybody's handling it. So thank you so much for being willing to share how things are going for you guys. Yeah, I, I thank you for having me. It's It's been really great. And I love the podcast and, you know, I'll be tuning in every time you post one. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, we will... Um, wrap this up by if you want to let people know where they can follow you if you want. Uh, yeah, I um, you can follow me on Instagram if you want. I I, I don't post much, so uh, there's not there. But I'd like hopefully in the next year we'll be able to post more about what's going on. But you can find me just at my full name, Jordan Farquhar. Uh, last name is F A R Q U H A R, and that's just on Instagram. Uh, that's really the only social media I use. Just so you know. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for being open to folks connecting with you and we'll catch up with you again soon. Do you know someone building their ag legacy or with stories of yesteryear on the farm that need to be shared? Please let us know or help them apply to be a guest on the show at farmingonpurpose.com guest. If you've enjoyed spending time with us today, please take a moment to review the show on Apple Podcasts or give us a share on social media. You can follow the host of Farming on Purpose, Lexi, at at Farming on Purpose on all social media. And let us know what topics you want to hear more about.